You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert, Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. Listen, I know I say we have special episodes, but this one is super special. We might have the most requested guests ever on the show today. And the person who has been my biggest inspiration in the the world of nutrition and somebody who has just literally and completely and authentically transformed my beliefs and my reality uh, over and over and over again. Uh, Not with the things that she said necessarily, but with her example. And so my guest today is my mother-in-law, my mother-in-love, Jane Wambui Cabrere. All right. And she is here today on the show sharing her story and her background and just some incredible insights, like nugget after nugget. And, you know, she's, uh, you know, I've shared this before. My wife is from Kenya. She came here when she was about 12 years old. And so my mother-in-law, you know, grew up in Kenya her entire life. And she has a very different perspective. And she'll share her story about just even the conditions that she came from and being able to Uh, overcome a lot of different obstacles in being able to elevate herself as an occupational therapist and an instructor, and then even just teaching nutrition and supporting uh, other people in so many different areas of life, which you're going to see today what her mediums were of service, because I'm sure she had no idea initially that she was going to be helping her patients that she works with through more than just therapy exercises, right? But also through techniques to help them to improve the quality of their life through transforming their mind and also transforming their bodies through what they're eating. So very, very excited about that. And also she knows we have spent so much money experimenting, buying different foods and supplements over the years. When I started to teach classes was actually in her kitchen. It was the first time I taught a class. I started to see the experience, you know, I was a strength conditioning coach at the time, but I started to see the experience that people were having by really changing their nutrition and not the conventional sense, because what I was taught in my university setting was, you know, have our clients and patients consume seven to 11 servings of whole grains, you know, um, low fat, everything. And of course we know that we've surpassed that dogma at this point. And we know how important and vital dietary fats are, for example, and the fact of just basing our diets on all of that crazy amount of starch and sugar is just so inappropriate. And those were basic things. But what I started to learn and experience was there was an even higher level because food is not just food, it's information. And starting to think about what kind of information, what kind of data, what kind of software am I putting into my hardware that's going to essentially tell my cellular programs what to do. And so this was leading me to the discovery and understanding about epigenetics and learning from folks like Dr. Bruce Lipton, who's been on the show, cell biologist, but literally how every single bite of food that we eat influences our genetic expression, right? And so what are the very best foods, the most powerful epigenetic influences that can really help to create the best expression of myself and other people? And so once I start to learn about this and these different foods and all this stuff we talked about over the years on the Model Health Show, I wanted to share this. And this is before people were, you know, there was before the podcasts were a thing. And so we literally set up shop in her kitchen. And the very first class I taught, it was three people in the audience. 
three people, me standing on stage in front of that blender and other little uh, accessories. And I was scared to death. I was terrified and I knew them. I knew them and I was so scared because I wanted them to quote, get it. I wanted them to experience what I was experiencing. And it was, and this is just to share a little insight with you. Sometimes when we are concerned or we experience anxiety or worry or fear in relationship to things like that, to expressing ourselves, it's simply because we care. You know, sometimes we can get very egocentric. It might not be a positive spin to it, but we're more concerned about ourselves. But sometimes we're concerned about service. And so there was a little bit of a balance there, but once I sh shifted completely into serving, how can I serve? How can I help these people? And not worrying about myself and you know trying to get everything right, but how can I help them even a little bit right now in this moment? And so that class went from three people to five to 10 to 20 to 30 to people sitting on laps in the hot St. Louis summer, 100 degrees plus humidity. I don't know if you know about the St. Louis humidity. It's like, it's hot and humid plus an attitude problem. Like the weather has an attitude problem. Like it just like kind of chokes you a little bit. People are lapped up. The air conditioner is like on its last leg trying to fight and just keep the, keep the balance right. We got box fans, you know, just all of these people wanting to hear this message. And from there, I was like, you know what? I, I should probably record this maybe, you know? And so from there, that starting with that three people audience, now I've spoken in front of crowds of a thousand people, 5,000 people and so on and so forth. But it started from that initial moment of just saying yes. And she was the catalyst, not just with the information, but also with the space and her creating a space that was all about health and wellness and the betterment and upliftment of and uplifting of the people. And so again, really, really excited to have her on today. And just that process of spending so much, literally we spent so much money on food, even though people would pay to come to classes, we lost money, all right, consistently, all right? And my wife wasn't happy about it. Uh, I'm just be honest, but it was about, and she'd be the happiest person after class, everybody's hanging out and having a good time. But when I tell her, we're going to teach another class, she's like, no, we're not. Because we spend so much money on getting the very best food. So now we have a solution to that, all right? There's great stores out there. You know, Whole Foods has become a, a national brand that has just popped up in, in just about every major city. And it's great. They curate a lot of products and really seek out a lot of the very best stuff that's organic, that's, you know, whatever uh, health framework you're subscribed to, whether it's uh, gluten-free, paleo, vegan, they've got the, all these categories curated for, for everybody. Same thing with personal care products. But real talk, one of the nicknames of Whole Foods, everybody knows is Whole Paycheck. You know, you can go there, you know, you go there and just buy an avocado and like a, uh, a stick of deodorant. And, you know, you, you know, boop, they take you out and, you know, type in the little avocado number. Okay, your total is going to be $17,000. Huh? What? How? Right? And it's just, it's happened to many of us many times. I remember being at Whole Foods like, I hope this goes through, you know. But now today, we've had the opportunity, we can eliminate the middleman, get the same products that you would find at Whole Foods and other um, health, organic health food providers, but you cut out the middleman, no crazy markups, and you get it direct. And the company that's went out and curated all of these incredible companies, so whether you're doing paleo, whether you're doing 
vegan, whether you're doing keto, curated the very best products and made sure that they're number one, they're gonna be 25 to 50% less than what you find in your grocery store right off the bat. And this company is Thrive Market, all right? I'm a huge fan of Thrive Market. I love seeing when my Thrive Market box comes. We're getting our snacks for the kids. We're getting our nut butters. We're getting our personal care products. We're getting our, uh, recently I just started to get this incredible, it's this, I, I don't even know if I should tell you, I don't want it to ever get sold out, but the Paleo Mayo, all right, the Primal Kitchen, spicy chipotle mayo oh so good all right and i get it cheaper than what you find in the store from thrive market so whatever it is that you're looking for personal care products foods for your family uh cleaning products for your house without all those crazy toxic chemicals you're going to find it at thrive market and also not only are you getting 25 to 50 percent off you're getting an additional 25 percent off your first purchase by going to thrivemarket.com forward slash model health all right, so that's thrivemarket.com forward slash model health together as one word. 25% off additional your first purchase. And you also get free shipping and you get a 30-day free membership to Thrive Market if you want to buy some more stuff. But real talk, you're going to want to keep the membership because it's just going to continue to pay you back over and over and over again. We save hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars every single year. All right. So it's definitely for us, it's over a thousand dollars easily by shopping from Thrive Market because, you know, we've got a house full of boys tend to eat a lot. And uh, yeah, it's just been such a blessing. So head over there, check them out. You don't have to make a loss trying to eat healthy and to provide healthy food for the people you care about anymore. Thrivemarket.com forward slash model health. Now let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled A Breath of Fresh Air by B. Ray. I listen to this podcast every morning. I had to go back and listen to all of the old podcasts to make sure I didn't miss anything Sean had to say. This is by far the podcast with the biggest impact in my life. Thank you so much for spending your precious time entertaining and informing all of us that listen. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And wow, that's just powerful. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to share that. And uh, thank you for allowing me to be a part of your life. And listen, if you've yet to do so, pop over to Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening to the show on or watching, if you're watching on YouTube, and leave a comment. Let everybody know what you think of the episode and what you think of the show overall uh, over there on the reviews and Apple Podcasts. All right, I appreciate it so, so very much. And on that note, let's get to our special guests and our topic of the day. All right, today we have on one of the most special guests ever, and this is my mother-in-law, Jane Wambui Cabarere, and she has just been such an inspiration in my life. She's an occupational therapist who grew up in Kenya and really came up against some seemingly insurmountable odds to take her family and her impact on the world to an entirely different, seemingly unexpected level, but you'll understand why and who she is today with this conversation. And so we're just going to jump right in to this conversation with my beautiful mother-in-law. You are the most requested guest on the show. We've mm -hmm. done almost 400 episodes. We have mm -hmm. people from all different um, categories of health and wellness, psychology, uh, financial health, but you are the most requested. Oh, my goodness. It's such a great honor. 
than to be, you know, requested and I'm here just for them to see me and probably probably share whatever I have to do today. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Well, thank you. I know that I had to I had to pull your leg a little bit to get you on here because you're being a little reclusive right now. But, um, you know, first of all, I want to talk about your your background, just, you know, growing up in Kenya. Mm-hmm. And I was really curious because I just showed you a picture from... Right back in the day, and you were in a, a time when the culture was not very uplifting for women to be in those positions that you found yourself in, you know, deciding I'm going to go into higher education, become an occupational therapist. And so I'm just curious, like, first of all, what inspired you to even want to achieve more in school when that wasn't really what was going on around you? Um, my mom has... Uh, head, or oh, okay, we, we had seven girls, and according to our culture, he didn't have a boy because my dad was the only son of his of his dad. So there was a lot of pressure for for him to marry another wife, yeah. and therefore the um, the culture didn't look upon I mean, girls as real people. We are going to be product because we cannot inherit anything. So my mom is my first motivation in wanting us to get that education because the only thing, uh, you know, women did was to get married and work in somebody's farm. And my mom would tell us every day, I want to remind you, there is no difference between a man and a woman. So you have the same potential like any other man, and nobody should ever let you down. And it happens in our neighborhood uh, where we lived, there was another lady who lived over there, who, who had gone to England. And every day she would say, you see, that, that lady, she's a doctor. And I want you, all of you to go to abroad. Seriously, that's what she would tell us every day. Mm. And there was one rule over the in-house that we could not go visiting other people. We have to stay in the house, and if you don't, because we didn't have much food, so she would make us sure that we get, um, you know, we stay in our own area. We don't go to other people's homes, so probably we don't even try to compare. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how you know I got motivated because, and I, I think when you know I didn't even think it, that was the reason, but I find I found that. My, your mom, whatever he, she kept on telling you, if she tells you you'll be somewhere, that's why I'm here, because of my mom. Wow. But I would like to go back. And, and when I was looking, you know, thinking about my life, uh, I, when I was nine years, I was sitting on a, on a hill. Just now I can even um, picture it. And at that moment... I started, I thought it was Christmas time. We prepared for Christmas for six months. That's the only time you got a new dress. You ate bread. Mm. And this bread, you know, my dad used to work in the city, which is Nairobi. And so you can see everybody so excited. We had never seen a loaf of bread. It's only once a year. And my dad would never come home until only this Christmas. I mean, everybody from the city, you know, who worked over there for or whatever they worked, they came back home with all the goodies, especially like the Western kind of, you know, food, which you have never seen. And then there is this kind of bread he would bring. It was so big. And then 
we didn't even know. We have never seen like three double, you know, like regular bread put together. <laughs> so in our in our language, you'd say that, you know, in my Kikuyu language, we'd say, I haven't been home. So mm. he brought, I have never been home. So the, that kind of bread. And so we are looking forward for that one. But anyway, and that's the only time we would eat chapatis, you know, the, the round bread. Yeah. We normally make for Braden, the pita bread. Everybody in the whole village, that's what they would eat. And uh, that's the only, and I told you that's the only time I got a new dress. And uh, this particular day, the day came and ended. And I said, why didn't it last so long? And it was only like a few days. And I was sitting on a hill, I saw the sunset. And I thought, I look around in the whole village. Everybody will, you know, I just asked God a question. Why is, is the whole essence of life? to give birth to somebody. I didn't see anybody doing better. Everybody's suffering and they get old and they die. I haven't seen anybody happy. So that question I put nine years ago, the question became the quest to find what is real happiness is. I'm here talking to you because that seed which was planted so many years ago I have been able to discover different routes of uh, what happiness looks like. So I gave whatever the power is, it has been able to give me a vision or a way to understand this is the way happiness looks like. But I have gone through so many stages of trying to look for happiness. Oh, yes, yes. And mm. you, that's the thing about you that I admire the most is that you've been willing to experiment. Right. You've been willing to put yourself in what would be considered uncomfortable situations. And I've never heard that story before. You've never shared that with me all the times no. that we've talked. No. But nine years old, and we've talked about this many times on the show, mm -hmm. of the power of asking questions. Right. And you literally were questioning, like, what, why do all of this? Like, what is, and I'm not even seeing people happy. And just to clarify for people, so in your culture at the time, because your father didn't have, he had seven daughters with your mom. Yes, yes. And didn't have a boy right in the culture you can marry someone else yes. and so they yes. he had two wives he, and had, he had another, another family yes yes and so first of all whoa. second of all um with that said and your mom pointing to that woman and saying see that that's your example of what you can be and i want you all to work towards that mm -hmm. that's the power of right. exposure and you right. just having that one example right you know and i think that's so important and that's you know again you've been that example for me and so you, you went through the ranks, you excelled in school, and you made the decision. Now you've got, you got two daughters, yes. and you decide, I'm going to go to the U.K. to mm -hmm. further my education. Right. So what was that experience like? Like what, what inspired you to take that step? And, like, you've got two young daughters, and, of course, like, the, t the, the town you're in is probably looking at you like, you don't leave your kids, and you're the woman. You should stay home. But you decided, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do this. So what, what drove you to do that? Um, when I graduated from college, there was a voice talking to me, telling me that you cannot just be, become a clinical occupational therapist. And it was just like one year, and then it happens that uh, the college posted, you know, a faculty for, for, for lecturers, and then I thought I need to go over there, mind you, coming from. My culture, I have never spoken to two people 
you know, leave alone going to speak to a whole class and trying to teach. So, but, but back in my head, I knew if I went to this college, that's the, the only way I'll be able to grow. Mm. And therefore, I decided to make that attempt. So I went, I became a lecturer. But how it happened is I, was, I told you I was the only woman who, who was in this, uh, who went for in the interview. Mm. But I couldn't be able even, I didn't even think I could pass the interview because I was scared, you know, with, because there was a group of people asking me all these questions. I was shaking and everything. But finally, the, the director of the college says, we are going to take you. You are the only, we have, female ladies in our, in, our, in our faculty, and we want you to take care of them. So that's how I ended being in college. And then when I was there, as, the, as I thought, it happened that they, you know, I got that scholarship to go to England. So because that, that was the only avenue to go to another country to get education. So that's, you know, I was, um, I was ready to lose, to lose everything I had. But just to go back a little bit, um, when I, I had that dream that whatever the culture has dictated to everybody I knew, my mother and everybody else in, you know, I knew, the whole essence of me, according to the way I, I looked at life, was not to go through that route. I call it, I, didn't, I don't think there is something I can get out of the, I need to be married probably. And then I found, oh, this is very boring. <laughs> I, I think I need to do something else also. Yeah. I cannot just keep on having children. And that's why I went to school and something kept on bothering me. And I, say, and I told myself, I think I'm in the wrong profession. And every day I kept on telling myself, okay, I have these two children and I am not going to get like a hundred children or eight children because there was the belief that if you, Get on it too, and even you can understand. You know, my, my husband was was a Kenyan, who also need boys, and I'm thinking, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then, uh, you know, I had the, the, that dream of feeling that there is more to life. Yeah. That's what drove me to that. I cannot settle down on being a housewife and having children and going around like everybody else. And nobody else thought like that except me, I think. Yeah, so that's, you know, that's why I went to Britain and I was ready to um, leave my children when they were young and just go and venture out and find out, you know, what I can become. Yeah. Yes. I'm so, and and of course, um, I'm so grateful for that. And your daughters are as well, because again, you set a template for them and you made it possible to of course be here today Mm -hmm. Um, but you took a risk where it's like literally I can't see anyone in society supporting that decision except maybe your mom who again when you were growing up like you got there was no electricity there was no no power none of these luxuries that you you know people take for granted today you know you guys lived out in the in the country right is that where her house was Mm -hmm. yeah even for me to uh to be able to go to like to high school or college, we were using, I don't know what you call it, like a lantern pump, lamp where you have like a wick. So that's the one I would sit down and read the whole night. And since I don't want, I don't want to sleep, I would get like a bucket of, with, of cold water and put my feet there so that I can read. And then you are using this little lamp and then try to read with that one because we didn't have any lights. Wow. We didn't even have the regular lamp where it has, 
No, it's just a little thing. Where you, Did you call it a torch? No, it's not that. We didn't have a torch. That is something different. It's a little... Is that a flashlight? Because I know... No, it's not a flashlight. It's uh, like, I know what you're talking about. Uh -huh. you're, you, you, we didn't it's basically have a lamp is what you're talking about. But I remember, because that's the, the cute thing about your daughter, mm. which is like some stuff she'll say, like, I think one day I was looking for a flashlight. And she was like, uh, can you get the torch? And I'm just like, this yeah, is not Indiana Jones. Like, right, this doesn't right. even make sense to me, mm -hmm. like a torch. Right. And so, but yeah, so you mm -hmm. having, like, you went that far. I as went to, through that one to, yeah. you know, to be able to get this education to become somebody. Wow. wow. Yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. So one of the things that really changed my life, and I've shared this with you before, and I want to share this with everybody again. When I first met you, it was probably like a, maybe third or fourth time that I that I was around you, for whatever reason, you know, like we were just talking, it was a little bit, you know, everybody was kind of saying stuff. And then you said to me that if you can give everybody in the world one thing, it would be meditation. And in my head, mm -hmm. I thought, that's crazy. Give me a million dollars. Like, that's what I thought in my <laughs> head. And I had no idea why you would have the audacity to say something like that. And so um, you, you had a huge impact on my life, obviously. I've been meditating for, I don't know, over a decade easily now, mm -hmm. thanks to you. Mm -hmm. And it's changed my life more than anything. But I'm wondering for you, like what inspired you initially to find out about meditation and to start meditating? I'm here with you this moment to tell you it's because of meditation. Because what happened when I went to, to, I went to college and I went through the, uh, the, the, the training, then I had to go in front of the student. I couldn't stand in front of my students. It was so, you know, uh, so bad that I had to tell the head of, I can't even teach. So because then, you would freeze out. Yeah, yeah, freeze out. I couldn't be able to, you know, to say anything in front of so many people. And then it happened, there was another lecturer who had come from England. I know from Canada, and uh, she, we were then, you know, we were just talking about how scared I am to, 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 I came, you know, wanting this job, but now I cannot even instruct my students. So what she did, she told me, oh, there is this meditation I, I would have done over in Canada, but I couldn't do it because it was very expensive. That was TM. So one day we just stood up and, you know, went somewhere. We looked for the place and... And then I saw, we found the place. And then I saw these people. I saw somebody who is speaking so coherently and they are so happy. I said, oh, I want that. Mm, <laughs> so yeah. uh, what I'm saying, Sean, after I did that meditation, that's how I was able to study in front of the students. How I am here today is because through the meditation, I was able to stand in front of 5,000 people and uh, present, I used to do research, you know, when I was in college. So I presented this research, which was um, international rehabilitation, where everybody from the whole, whole world had come to this venue in Kenya. And uh, when I was, after I did my presentation, there are two people who approached me. And one was a professor from Florida University and another one from Nova Scotia University. And they asked me, you know, they, we started corresponding after they saw the, our college and eventually prob probably after one year, they, their university uh, uh, decided they want to sponsor me to come for uh, a big conference for occupational therapists in Novok, Virginia. 
So the first time to come to America, that was, I, I think, either 1991. Mm. Yes, and uh, so all what I'm saying is that the meditation, that's what I found it was a great gift for having done it. And uh, it made me uh, be able to express myself and be able to understand myself better. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got to say, so you mentioned TM, so that's Transcendental Trans- Meditation. Transcendental TM, yeah, Transcendental Meditation. And you also mentioned, so Nova Scotia was one of the yes, options. That's the Dalhousie University, yes. which funny enough, right. I was invited to do a keynote there. Yeah, what a coincidence. Of all places, wow. you know, it's you, it's wow. you. And it was for, it was the Occupational Therapy Department. I couldn't believe it. Who, who initiated the, the contact, which wow. is, that's how we're connected, you know. And shout out to everybody in Canada in uh, Nova Scotia as well, mm-hmm. uh, specifically. And, um, but you getting through that barrier and then right. having the, the ability to speak and to, right. and to share your message, right. that created the opportunity for you to come to the U.S., again, changing your exposure. Right. And also, you know, so you had the opportunity to either move to Florida or to St. Louis. That's true. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness it was St. Louis. Right. Shout out to St. Louis. No disrespect, Florida. Love uh, you guys. Right. Um, but that's that's what got you here. And so I've got a couple questions for you about meditation, mm-hmm. if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and I, I shared this as well, prior to you teaching, first of all, I had to suspend my disbelief because mm-hmm. I was just like, what? Okay. what is this? Mm-hmm. You know, in my head, this is all going on in my head. And mm-hmm. I'm also pretty egocentric at the time. Right. I'm really working on, I had a big shift in my life going from being f- from very self, um, self-consumed self mm-hmm. because of just the way that I grew up right. and just protecting myself to being very, I started to evolve to being very other-centric instead of self-centric. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to help people, but I was still really trapped in my own mind and I didn't know it. Mm-hmm. And so when you taught me that first meditation, which you took me through, like there was like seven meditations. It was like a two day thing. Mm. And my wife, your daughter did it first. And she was just like, you have to do this. And we were just been dating for like a year or something. And I just was like, Mm -hmm. okay, all right, all Mm -hmm. right. I I tried enough trust in her that I did it. And then I came and, and you talked to me more of like the, the, the science a little bit, like, okay, so this is going, this aligns with your heart. You know, and it's, I know it's this chakra, but you have a heart. These organs are all aligned here. Mm -hmm. And your heart can be a place where there's a a blockage of circulation of energy. And you taught me this meditation was the first one we did. And you told me how to do it. And I closed my eyes. I participated in it. And I woke up. Like I literally, for the first time in my life, I woke up. And I realized that I had never had a conscious thought my entire life. Like I was just a part of it. I was a part of all the the voices in my head, I was a part of the story, but I realized that I could see it. I could witness all of this stuff happening. I can witness the thoughts in my mind. I can I can hear and sense and, and witness and see the way that I felt instantly, like it all got turned on. But then, I've never shared this before, I went through a struggle period. Right. Like it was beautiful for right. a while, but then I went, I had to start adjusting to life again. Right. You know, now that I'm awake and I'm aware and I can feel and sense and experience all these things in a whole different way. But it's it's enabled me truly. Like, without that, I wouldn't be here. The Model Health Show wouldn't have been created. It was really meditation was a big tool for me. So for you, I know that it was a tool initially for you to become uh, a- able to speak, like, which mm-hmm. is a very mm-hmm. practical thing. Mm-hmm. But it became something more to you. Right. So number one... 
what did meditation become for you? Like, how did it become more? And number two, why did you want to teach other people? How it became part of my life is because I found that I was having more clarity and uh, whatever issues which were going on in my life, which everybody has, uh, I could be able, they could kind of dissipate, you know, that if every time I did meditation and uh, it created, I think, this love or wanting the same person to have that peace. I was so crazy. I even taught my mom <laughs> and she had wow. to go through this. Yeah. I, and then after some time she was told, no, no, don't do this one. You need to be on the other side. So I, I taught everybody in my whole family because I feel that whatever one feels that it is benefiting you, I feel that one should be able to share. And it had made so much difference in my life and uh, if it can bring peace for one minute or two minutes or even for a whole, maybe whatever the, the length of the time is you know I, will, I want to I wanted the other another person to have it because this life is about just being peaceful being happy I don't know what other agenda people have <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah there's nobody who wakes up and decide okay today when I wake up I am going to hurt so and so, or I am going to scream at so and so. I don't think there is no. I don't think there is anybody who had that idea when they wake up. It just happens. But if you know there is something you can do to control yourself, to control your mind, it's like you are driving a car. And you don't even know how to stop it. Mm. So when you have this mind which is learning like a million marathon, and then you you don't even know how to stop it you are going to become very, you know, uh, uh, I mean, a um, very angry person, discouraged, and you are going to affect other people. It's also going to affect you. So the whole idea, you know, I wanted, I, I really love meditation because it can help somebody feel better, be able to uh, widen their awareness or whatever, how, whatever the, the kind of job they do or even their relationship. Because I feel that your mind um, sees life completely different than whatever you saw it before. Yeah. I want whatever good is for me, I want it for, the, for the, one another person. It's not about myself. It's, we are all of us together. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Mm -hmm. And this is just one tool. It's a very, very powerful tool mm -hmm. to, and I understand now, even just listening to you, like I get it because I didn't really know why you said that statement to me, that this is the thing you would give other people. Right. It's for them to be able to access happiness. Right. It's for them to be able to access the truth, right. you know, instead of, we've got so many different things that we're exposed to. You just gave that great analogy, which I never heard before of, it's like you're driving a car uh -huh. without a brake. Yes. And when you have that situation with your mind, like you're going to crash into stuff, right. which is like turbulence and, and, and irritation right. and conflict, you're going to, and it's going to more frequently happen if you mm. don't have that break. And also you're going to run out of gas most likely because you don't know how to operate the car. Right. And like meditation is like plugging in to right. this kind of infinite source mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. well. And from what I've, what I've learned from you. And so, um, wow, it's so powerful. And, and actually, Sean, if you, be, you, you come in touch with yourself, there's something inside you which you are able to reflect and you see the other human beings like you. It doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter what you look like. 
You have the same fears I have. You have the same pain. Everybody is going to die. Everybody wants to be loved. So if you look at any, everybody, it, it, it makes you feel that I want that person to understand the other person is me. I want to give it to them so that they know that the, what is keeping us separate is, is inability to understand. You have, I, you know, you are a reflection of me having the same problems. But how can, we, how can all of us work together so that we can be able to, to become a mirror to reflect that love for each other? Yes. Ah, so I, of course, when you're speaking now, like I, we've talked so much, but now like so many things are getting, I'm closing the loops right. and it's just making more sense. And even I know that my level, because, you know, when I first met you guys, I was very impatient. Right. Um, my, the, my environment that I grew up in was very hostile and very aggressive. And so that, that was my response really to the world, especially anything that didn't fit my my current like path. And so, but over the years, like I've developed so much more patience. You know, I feel like, you know, just being honest, you know, I'm more patient than my wife now, you know, but. I know, I know, 100% you are like that. (laughs) I love you, babe. But you know, just this patience Mm -hmm. and uh, also compassion and empathy. And it was really developed through through meditation. You know, I really putting myself in being able to perspective take and to take other people's perspective. I, I never really put it together. You know, I knew it was a compilation of things, but meditation is definitely the biggest tool that made that's, that possible. That's true. Yeah, and and and, and as well, um, I feel that you cannot teach people how to be compassionate, and you cannot tell the whole world I love you. Those are just words which don't mean anything. Compassion, and I feel love, is like uh, if you are mourning for the loved one, it, are there words to express that? So the same thing. Like your heart expresses something for another human being, not because, in spite, but that's what your heart wants to do. And that's what whenever you do meditation, you don't love, it's not a conditional love. It just happens and you don't even have to talk about it. That's, that's what it is. You don't have to teach somebody to be compassionate. You don't have to. Your heart expresses without you doing anything. It's there. Yeah. So you've also experimented, implemented, how many different meditations have you? I did uh, I, I did one. I did uh, the meditation for so many years, the, t- the transcendental meditation, right. and I was a teacher. And uh, I did for about 10 years or yeah, close to nine years. I worked with uh, another person where we, we taught probationers. It was called Enlightenment Sentencing Project. So I would go there every four days free. I would just do it free, teach probationers instead of sending them to jail. So I would help him, you know, teach all these, you know, probationers. It was such a moving experience. And uh, they would graduate within three months. And it was such a moving, I mean, what I'm saying, it was a very sad moment because you could see when some of these people, they graduated, 
they were saying, if they knew they had, somebody had given them this one technique so that they can see how they think, they would not have wasted their lifetime being in jail. Yeah, so we had like seven judges who had read the research, how the meditation, you know, helped probationers. So I did that, you know, a couple of years. But then after some years, something happened. Then I stopped doing that. Then I said, I need to look around. And then I found another, another teacher. And then I tried that meditation. And that's what I think I have tried. There are so many meditations I have done, yeah. but have followed like two, two teachers and um, to we call them guru or the masters. Yeah, that's what I did for two, you know, with the two teachers. But there are different meditations I have done. Any meditation you can think of, I have done. Yeah. Yes. And then until um, when I informed you that you are the guru yes. and you are the master, even, and the beautiful thing is you were very reluctant right, to so say that. That's when you know no. that you are and, you know, you are, you are it. And um, so you've done dozens of different types of meditation mm -hmm. and these different techniques. And so what I, what I want to communicate to people is that there are many different ways right. through the forest. There's many different ways to drive the car. It's just mm -hmm. about taking the opportunity to start to learn how the car right. works. Right, that's true. Yeah. So mm -hmm. one of the things that has become a meditation for all of us mm -hmm. is like we do a coffee meditation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't drink coffee. I don't think you drank coffee either, like for years. No, because I was brought up with uh, what paid for my school was the coffee. I don't know whether you know that we have a coffee we have, um, back in Kenya, we have a very big coffee plantation. Mm. But none of the Kenyans who grew coffee drank coffee. We only drank Kenyan tea. So I've never drank coffee until you, you introduced me to this coffee. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I have never eat, drank coffee. Wow. Because, yeah. So That's that was crazy. something. Yes. And now I, every day is like, I need that coffee so bad. And <laughs> yeah, so it has really helped me, you know, um, along the way. Whenever I go to the gym and I work out or every day, is able to bring a lot of joy and uh, able to keep off, to keep me from drinking some other stuff. I don't. I don't think I can drink any other coffee, Lily. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't. If I don't have it, I don't drink that coffee. I don't so drink any coffee. I hope people know. What I talking know the about. difference because I, we have the best. I mean, uh, the best Kenyan coffee. I don't know whether you know that. That's yeah. what they say, but it's not as good as this one. Yeah, that's even what when I, I travel, hear. I see mm -hmm. the Kenyan coffee. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so we're talking about is four sigmatic right. coffee, the mushroom yeah. coffee, and it's organic coffee, mm -hmm. and it's also a combination of uh, medicinal mushrooms which have been studied for thousands of years. And this is something that, you know, and we'll talk about this in a moment, but it led me, once you pointed me in the right direction, it led me down that trail to finding out mm -hmm. eventually about these medicinal mushrooms. And so the one that I had today, uh, the lion's mane is the, is the one that we typically have, or the cordyceps coffee. And so the lion's mane coffee, that one is the University of Malaya found that lion's mane mushroom is one of the very few things ever studied that can literally regenerate brain tissue, uh, neurogenesis. Mm -hmm. So sparking the creation of new brain cells and also it's neuroprotective. And so it's being studied now for use for traumatic brain injuries. And so it's just like really interesting that even the way that it looks, it's like a lion's mane in a sense, but mm -hmm. it has all of these connections, you know, just the way it's flowing. And this is the way the brain really looks. Uh, if you have a strong enough microscope, which is really interesting. That's the doctrine of signatures, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, but also the basis of it though, in all the different coffees is chagas in there. And so that's something that we've been 
helping people with and introducing to people for even prior to us knowing about Four Sigmatic. That's why I love them so much because they put it in there. And Chaga, if anybody just Google Chaga and cancer and just like, it's crazy, you know, or Chaga and antioxidants or Chaga and immune system. And so it's clinically proven to increase your natural killer cells. So your body's like um, immune system weapons or, or army right. uh, inc improve their activity and mobilization over about 280%. And so it's one of those things that's supportive of our immune function. But what's interesting about the mushrooms is that they're immunomodulators. And so that means that it doesn't just spike your immune system like other drugs would do, or it doesn't suppress your immune system like drugs would do. It modulates and moves your immune system up or down based on what your body really needs. So it's really fantastic. And the way that we, we need it because it's just a joy. It's not like, other things where you feel like I'm addicted. If I don't have it, I'm not right. You know, it's like just an extra level of joy and and good energy. And so, yeah, so foursigmatic.com forward slash model. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model. All right, so that's foursigmatic.com forward slash model. You get 15% off everything they carry. All right, so we love the coffees. We do. And mm. also the they have the hot cocoa. Yes. as well yes. so we like that too awesome so i'm glad that i could bring that to your life you brought so much oh to my, my goodness yes as that's well the, yeah huh? so we hook you up yeah like, you, you did come, yes. you come to my house mm -hmm. you leave with right. bags of gifts mm -hmm. <laughs> and so this is a good segue because i want to ask you about um nutrition you know like you are my biggest inspiration in this space which this is really what i do it's what i'm deeply passionate about is nutrition when I met you, I was a personal trainer, strength and conditioning coach, and I was still, I was figuring things out. I was like getting people to have shop organic, but I was still like low fat, you know, and just like more processed food centric. And you got me really thinking differently about nutrition. And I'm wondering for you, mm. what got you, what got you interested in food and nutrition in the first place? Um... 1997, uh, I came here 1994. And 1997, I went, I went back to see my mom. <clears throat> when I saw her, it was so shocking that my subconsciousness told me, oh my God, you are going to become like her. Because what had happened at that moment, after having been here for three years, I started having joint pain on my knees. So, and when I saw my mom, and according to what, what they, they say is that you are going to inherit, to inherit the disease from your family member or from your somebody, okay? So then I thought I'm going to, ha to have the same problem. But what I'm saying, that after I entered the door and I saw my mom was like, almost like crawling and she couldn't walk, I fainted. I couldn't even take it. But then when I came back to America, I started asking some questions because my mom was being seen by the top rheumatologist back in Africa, in Kenya, I mean. And uh, where I taught, we have the top hospitals just like BJC. The, that's, that was the only hospital where you could get the best doctors there. So when I left, she was being seen by these doctors, getting the best medication. And then I, when I went back, I found she was, she was even getting worse. I didn't know that's what that disease does. So when I came back, 
every day I would sit down, Sean, for about three months. Every time I did my meditation, and I would say, I, I would tell God, there must be another way. Can you show me another way? I don't want to become like my mother. And so that's how I started. Like trying to figure out how things should be. And then, you know, then I found, you know, this, the, uh, this person who told me, okay, the right is caused by this. And then I took the book and I started reading books. And then I found, okay, oh, you can, you can help yourself. I didn't even know that. Mm. Yeah, so that's how I tried, you know, different, um, I mean, like the, the, like the protocol, like changing what I ate. But mind you, I was a vegan for a long time. So I was eating probably the, the wrong kind of food. So when I found a certain type of food which was causing that, then I stopped and then I went through so many uh, programs. Like that's, that's the time I bought like a, a juicer. Instead of buying the juice from the, from the store, they would say it's 100%. I didn't know it was not 100% natural juice. So yeah. I started making mine and I said, oh, there's a difference. So that's how my journey when started. When was this? This was, this was like 1999. I can walk on these stairs because I couldn't be able to walk without holding anything. Mm. I don't even wow. know. I don't know whether you know that with the time my knees were like, um, there was bone to bone. So if I try to do like squats, even like I sit down, wherever mm -hmm. you are, you could hear the noise. Ooh. You know, everything clacking there. So that's how I have, have come from. I couldn't even walk. Have a I saw the canes. Yes, I had a walking cane. And if I was going to see my clients and I would see stairs, I said, oh, my God, why do people have houses with these stairs? Why do mm. I? And you can see my house. I saw all these stairs now. <laughs> right. Yeah, because I couldn't, yeah, I, had, I couldn't even be able to go up there. So I used to carry a cane with me. That's yeah. uh, like so you had a beef with stairs. Yes, yes. He was like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's how I started. <laughs> why? And so what really encouraged me is that I said, oh, I can change. I can cure this. Do you know what happened? I used to earn a lot of money that time. I would go to any store, look for any book. I would spend like $400 to buy books. Find out, oh, what cures this? What cures this? Then what I would do, I would add, every month I would be doing something, and I would, you know, write it down and start doing that um, program after yeah. I had it from the beginning. And uh, with the time, even people who knew me, they say, oh, are you all right? Because I started losing so much weight. Yeah. I have my colleague, the one I was teaching TM, he says, Jane, you are going, I don't think you'll be here. <laughs> if you keep on going like this. So, and I was telling him that I feel good and I didn't care. So I had to go through so many processes. And uh, people who knew me before, I used to have like a lot of blackheads around my eyes. I used to be so dark here. And then the, the doctors would say something you have inherited uh, because of the liver problem. So after I did all that, I said, oh, my skin is changing. I even look younger and I feel good. So I went, 
you can understand, you remember my journey was to look for happiness. And I felt, oh, apart from meditation, I'm even getting happier. Mm. <laughs> yes. Wow. I found it, you can keep on meditating the whole day. But then if you have pain, you know, there are times you have to stop. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. So, so then when I found that, it became a journey of uh, trying to find out how can I restructure my life. And I found there's so much to be done. So, and then eventually I was able to get rid of the pain and everything was gone and I was able to walk. And uh, then now I can run. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So this yes. is the beautiful part. Yes. This is 20 years later. Right. And first of all, we just, your your daughter just came on with a bunch of old pictures. Right. And yes, 20 years later, you look younger. Mm -hmm. And, yes. you know, you wear out, like, we've worked out many times. You're right. doing lunges. Right. You know, you're doing sprints with us. Right. You know, it's so powerful. And, like, to see that and to see that example mm -hmm. with you was just super inspiring for me because... And, and then this is a great, like, what is that moment for me when I knew that you were onto something? Because when I first came over, it was like literally the first time I was going to meet you and your daughter who, and by the way, we'll just share this really quickly. So you, you call her Jerry. Yeah, I call her Jerry. Mm -hmm. And, but her first name is Anne. Anne. And she told me, you know, when mm, we first met. I don't met, know how to call her that way. Her name <laughs> okay. is Anne. So mm. she, you know, she's got these different names. And mm. it's just the, in your culture, mm. you were given like an English name. Yes. Right. Can you yes. talk about that really quickly? My name is not, my my first name is Jane. Yeah. But I tell people that's not my name. That's an English name because Kenya was colonized by British. And when they came, they changed our people's religion, their, uh, whatever they prayed to, their God lived somewhere. And they, they told them that was demonic. So they introduced Christianity and everybody had to be baptized. So that's why my parents took me to church. That's why I have that name. And uh, they would not agree to, to give you another name. And uh, the same thing with the, with the Anne. Yeah. So when she, her time came and I took her to church, she, you know, they refused to give give her the, you know, her first name. So my my first name is one boy. Yes. Yeah, so, so majority of people who know me, that's what they call me. Yeah. yeah so that's how we have all these names because of uh, Christianity. So which was brought so many years ago, and they changed. I don't know how many years ago, but I know we got our independence, nineteen sixty three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Wow. And so also, I, I call you Mama Mukami yes. because your daughter's name is Mukami. Yes. And so it's the mother of that child. The first, the first born, which yeah. is Mukami. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, yeah. And, but her first name is Betsy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> don't say that. Yeah, you know, she doesn't call yeah. herself that way. Uh -huh. And so, uh, but it, it is so interesting because these are like very like 1940s and 50s names. Right. And, uh, but you know, so with, with that said, Anne was bringing me over, I'm sorry, Jerry. Right. And also when I first came over, I was like, why are they calling you Jerry, you know? She was like, no, it's fine, it's just, you know, it's Anne. And so uh, sh she let me know before we came in the house mm. that you're, you guys are really weird. Right. Uh, with your food and all this stuff. Mm. And so don't listen to, she's like, don't listen to, to too much what she says. I know that they're a little weird, but you right. know, we'll be, you know, go in and come back out. And so I was like, whatever, how weird could it be? And I came in there and I saw there was grass growing in your house. Mm -hmm. And I had never seen grass outside <laughs> of outside. And I was like, how on earth is there grass inside? What? They are crazy, you know. Right. But long story short, it was wheatgrass. Right. You know. Mm -hmm. And it was several months later. 
several months later, and this is what I really admire about you because you don't, again, the master doesn't really, you're, you're not trying to do what that's you true. did. That's true. And so you weren't like uh, assertive with me. You weren't like trying to tell me I was wrong because especially with men, we tend to think that we already know. Mm -hmm. And so you definitely have to take a more graceful approach. And that's what you did. I was struggling at the time I had healed my spine. I was feeling like a, a billion dollars, mm -hmm. but I still kept having these seasonal allergies and like right. asthma symptoms right. that I had from when I was a child. Right. And for me, I literally just was like, certain times of the year, I'm gonna have these issues. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, I was going to get a prescription mm -hmm. for some antibiotics to try to help me because the hay fever was so bad. Right. And I came over to your house with with my girl, then girlfriend at the time mm -hmm. and you know, you, you were talking to me, you were like, so I heard you're having this uh, allergies mm. and it was, what is this, hay fever? <laughs> and you, I was like, yeah, you know, it's, this, it's the time of year, you know, it's the, it's the weather, mm. you know, it's, this happens every time. And then you looked at me and you said, okay, so it's the weather that's causing this issue, mm -hmm. you say. Mm -hmm. And then you said, but is the problem out there or is the problem in you? Mm. And then I realized that it was me. The issue was happening within me. I'm not allergic to the world. Right. There's something that's off with inside of myself. And so that led me to some research. And for me at the time, it was all of the dairy that I was consuming. The it was mm -hmm. organic. Right. It was non-homogenized, mm -hmm. you know, but it was still for me, it was an allergen. Mm -hmm. And it was causing all this excess mucus mm -hmm. buildup for me personally. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the same, I asked you, Okay, if you have this allergy because of the weather outside, I wanted, I asked you, does it, if, just imagine everybody's, we know that everybody's going through this, you know, they're, in, they're exposed to the same weather IQ, the same air. Have you asked yourself, it is only you and not other people? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what got me. Yeah, that, yeah I think that really tripped my brain yeah, out. Because like, it was, yeah, and then I think I, I didn't say anything else, I think. Yeah, that was that. You didn't yeah, say anything else. Mm -hmm. I just literally, it felt like mm -hmm. something started cooking. My wheels started turning in my brain. Like, mm -hmm. what? There's something with me. And, right, this does, right. and also the fact that I wasn't born with this. This no, only no. happens at certain times. Mm -hmm. There, there has to be a reason. And right. so that really sent me to start researching. Mm -hmm. And that's when I became a researcher, really, and started to look into this stuff more deeply. Right. And so, again, it's not that dairy is bad for, you know, everybody. Some people, uh, right now, the statistics show that about 75% of people, period, mm -hmm. on the planet, right. are lactose intolerant after, you know, childhood. And, well, babyhood, let me be clear. Mm -hmm. But some folks have a mutation where they can have it. It depends on the type of dairy as well, whether or not there's lactose or whether you're allergic to maybe some of the proteins in it. Um, so, and then there's quality issues. But for me, now today I could have a little bit here and there, but generally, like, especially milk, like, no way. It's just, when I pulled that out, I have literally not had any asthma or, like, I can't even imagine that that was my life, mm -hmm. not being able to breathe. And simply pulling out that food was a big game changer for me, you know. And so you sent me on many different <laughs> paths of thinking like that. And for you, one of those was also you introduced me to the concept of raw foods. Right. So why was that such a important thing? I think uh, when I started this journey and found that I could change my life, my body, the way I look and the way I feel, it's like I wanted to know everything about it. And it, what happened, I went to see one of my clients. And uh, when I was 
treating treating the lady. There was some uh, her daughter was in the kitchen and there were all these machines going on. And then I went there. I said, "What's that?" And she told me, "Oh, this is called raw food, and this is what it does, and whatever." So I started reading about it. And then uh, the more I kept on going there, I said, "Then she, can I taste it?" Then I tasted, and then um, I asked her, "Can I pay you to come to your house?" And you, I just stand there. I don't care how much you charge me, and I see you do it. And I would do. I would. I would go there every maybe sometimes on a Sunday, and she would do one kind of a meal, and then I pay her, and then you know that's how I came to do. I mean to know how to. That's how I started raw food, and then from there, she told me you can go to this particular place, Anwigmo Institute, and um, you'll be taught how to do the stuff I have. So that's how I ended by going to Anwigmo Institute, and learning all this about how to make raw food and the advantages and whatever you can do. So that's how I got into it. But uh, I think when I started, I've been like a student of wanting wanting to make my, my life get better, learning more. Yeah. You know, I'm still on the same path, doing the same thing even today. Yeah, you mm. sure are. You sure are. Mm-hmm. And that was a big game changer for me because just flooding my body with so much nutrition, mm. you know, through raw food and juicing and right. all those things, because, you know, same thing, I, when I, I grew up here, so I didn't have juice, like 100% juice. I had, instead of orange juice, we had orange drink. It literally didn't even say juice, it said drink. And it would be like 0% juice. Mm-hmm. And it's just like these flavors, you, you know? And the same thing, you know, this, there were times when we have juice, but then it's pasteurized juice. Like it's mm-hmm. a lot of the nutrients, the minerals, vitamins, they've been denatured, you know, they've right. been changed. They're not the same way that it exists within the orange itself, you know? And so starting to think differently about how my body relates to food, the information that the food is carrying, that's one of the things that I really picked up from raw food. And we did so many crazy and incredible meals, like big feasts of raw food and like making like, you know, we had to both had the dehydrator. I remember from my wedding gift, you got us a dehydrator. Yes, and and I made the, the, your wedding cake, which was raw. It was a raw food cake. I yes. think it was like some kind of a nuts was the Yes, base. made with the nuts and uh, I think um, laisins or something. Yeah, yeah, I made that. And we had a lot of raw food as well. So people, you know, mm. some people don't realize this. This is why, you know, I, I'm in the position that I am is that I'll spend years experimenting, you know, raw right. food. This is the, and I'm, I want to know about this too, because mm. I'm sure that not a lot of your students like really took to things like I did. You know, like I took what you gave me and then I ran with it. When you told me about raw, told me about raw foods, I went three years. I know, like three years, not a cooked food crossed my lips. You know, know. (laughs) it's crazy. And we live in Missouri. You know, the cold winter, and I'm like drinking a green smoothie. You know, and some dehydrated whatever. You know, but we made it work, and it was fun and amazing, and Mm -hmm. you know, it was a powerful experiment. But I'm curious, you created the space for. I decided, like, I'm going to start teaching this stuff. Right. And we started to have classes at your house. Right. So what did you think about all that when you saw that I wanted to do that and to start teaching other people? I, I, I guess you remember that I used to have I used to have people in my house. Yeah, all the time. All the you time. You were teaching with, people stuff? With the teaching yeah. and uh, would help them go through all these different kind of programs. And um, my house, like, the where you started... I think it was a dream. I didn't buy my house to live in a nice house. 
That's why they were, they were, I didn't have um, furniture. I was looking for a space where I can do two things. One, to teach meditation. That's why I had the basement and where you can get out. And then the other, the, then the kitchen was a place where I wanted to show people how to make the best food so that they can be healthy. So I'm taking care of their mind and they're not, they're not even paying. I'm trying to help them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. the, uh, how I came to buy the house, it was shown even after some years, just knowing how I bought that house. And now you see where you were, when you, where you started, you started from there, from my house. I feel like I can be just in tears because there was this persistence. I had even to borrow money from people, from friends, to, to pay a down payment because I didn't have enough. And even my accountant said, I don't think you can buy that house. You don't even have the money and you don't make so much money. And eventually it went through and I was able to buy it. So there is a reason why you are there. So I was just so happy because I also became a student. You know, there were things you are doing and I have never done. So I was doing the same thing. You, are, you know, whatever you are teaching, I wanted to use it. So it was that dream. And I think that's, that's what the existence wanted to do to give me this present of this house. I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. I would tell people, I would be in tears, and I tell them, I got somebody give me 300. I would tell this person, they give me 1,000. I was able to put all this money together yeah. just to be able to teach what, what my dream was about. I was able to show up a few people. I would have 25 people downstairs doing meditation or whatever the number they came over there. So, but eventually it was supposed to start this, uh, this mission so that you can be able to help a greater number. Yeah. Yes. So you became, you became, you know, that reflection of what my, my desires were to be able to reach more people. I think that's how I think it works. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that was one of my, like, greatest driving forces. Like, I really did want you to, to know that, you know, you were the, the spark for mm -hmm. so many, like, reaching now, you know, millions right. of people. And, you know, I wanted you to be proud of me. And I also wanted you to, you know, to, to know that what you did, all of that groundwork that you put in, all of the, the situations that you put yourself into of discomfort and getting outside of your perimeters of your, you know, where you grew up and bringing your family here and the struggles of, you know, persecution for, you know, you being a woman or for you meditating when the beliefs are that, you know, this is not something that we do in our, in our culture and our religion. Mm -hmm. And like all this stuff you've gone through to know that it, it has paid off more times over than you can imagine. You know, there are so many people listening even right now that are impacted because you stepped up and said yes to your vision. So I just want to thank you for that. Thank you, because I didn't know I was a silent warrior. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, 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 for that recognition. So, yeah. And that's such mm. a great story with, mm. with the house, right. you know, and just because it was for something righteous. It was bigger right. than yourself. That's true. And because sometimes, like, and I'm not, we're not saying to go and, you know, stretch your credit, you know, and, right. and take risky, you know what I'm saying? But sometimes it does take that, right. you know, to get outside of the boundaries of what's comfort, comfortable mm -hmm. to figure it out. Because even when I was ordering all these crazy foods I was experimenting right. with, I right. didn't really have money for that. Mm -hmm. But it paid off tens of thousands of times over, you know. And so now you're in a position where, like, your house is not an issue. Like, you, 
man, come on now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, we got you. Everybody's, you know, uh, participating, but also, like, just the the livelihood and you believing in what you've done is just always supported your 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 livelihood. Mm -hmm. And uh, you did. You created that space where, you know, so many people have come through those doors and learned meditation. That's true. Including my kids, you know, know, your grandkids. My, yeah, Braden and all my grandkids have learned meditation, yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. So powerful. Braden meditates with us every day, right. you know, and thanks to you. And so uh, there's so many things that, that I would want to ask you about, but we'll save this for another time. Mm -hmm. um, I do want to make sure that I ask you a final question. Mm -hmm. And the question is, what is the model that you are here to express and to demonstrate to other people with how you live your life? What is the model you're here to set for other people with how you live your life? I think uh, the way I live my life is not a form of expression. I don't know whether it's an expression because there's no intention. But the way I live my life is where I have so much love for myself, self-care. I love myself so much that I want to do everything which is going to empower my mind, empower my body, so that I'm able to experience the pleasance of what there is today, not tomorrow. How happy do I, do I feel today? How contented am I today? What is my relationship with other people? So I prepare that foundation it's like watering the, the, the plant of the, the roots of the plant so that it can flourish and bear good fruits. So I become that reflection without knowing, only to transmit, only that which is flowing from me without effortlessly. If it is whatever, what, if I see somebody, it's like every day, you know, I ask myself, my life is the way it is, not because of me. Thousands of people, not even my relatives, the people here, they are making this thing happen. The place where we are in, the roads we are driving, you see everybody in the whole world is making my life possible. So how can I reflect that image or that light which I have already created within me? to give the best out from uh, myself. I want to feel more energetic when I go there. I want to be able to give only what I have. You don't give something you don't have. Mm. Yes, so that's, that's how I prepare myself to create that uh, foundation to give whatever is being created in this body by making sure that I do and preserve this um, body which is the only gift I have and I ever acquire. I don't expect any other gift except this body and my mind mm. to be able to make it every day. Mm. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for giving us permission to love our bodies and right. to love our minds right. because our just attention is distracted from that so much mm. and it is everything really springs from that. So thank you. And I want to end this by sharing a story with you that I just shared with Jordan, my oldest son today, your oldest grandson. Mm. And I didn't know that I didn't share this before. It was oh. such a crazy story. Oh. And it's a way that you changed my life and you probably didn't know it with the mm. silent warrior thing that you do. 
Um, but there was a time, it was about maybe seven years ago. Mm. And, you know, I had, at this point, my spine from, you know, the 20 year, when I was 20, I was diagnosed with the so-called incurable spinal right. condition, mm. which we completely reversed. And, you know, for years had gone by and I hadn't had any kind of back issues. And so I started to, I had this pain, literally it was like crippling, like I couldn't get in and out of my car and I was struggling and several days had gone by and I was in fear because it's like, oh my, is this happening again? Like, how could this happen now? And I was trying to talk to anybody that I could and somebody recommended that I go see this particular chiropractor and, but you know, just a foreshadow, by the way, it wasn't actually my back, it was my SI joint, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't know this at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I go to see this chiropractor who also was this, which I didn't know at the time, also in parentheses, a medical intuitive. All right. So I'm just like, what? What is this? Mm. You know? And so she's examining me and she's looking at my, my back and she has her hand on my shoulder, like looking at me from, you know, my spine. And then she says, this is interesting. And my ears are perking up, like, what's interesting? And she says, you don't know your father, do you? I was like, what? What are you, what? I almost ran out of there, Mm -hmm. you know? But I, you know, I don't know if I've shared this before, but I've never met my biological father before. Right. And, but it wasn't a part of my story. It wasn't something that I felt was holding me back or that I felt Mm -hmm. like I was missing something. Mm -hmm. Because I always had my stepfather as a presence and my mother and also my, my grandmother and my grandfather in the early part of my life, you know, I lived with them. But my, it was a very volatile environment with my mom and my stepfather for sure. And so I was like, how did she look in my back? Is she stereotyping me? Like I'm going through all of this stuff in my head and I'm just like, this is not possible. And she basically implied that I feel like I have a lack of support in my life. Like my back is this pillar. My spine is this re- reflection of what's going on with me emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I'd been married, you know, with your daughter for a couple of years at this point. And we had, you know, really started to impact the lives of other people. You know, we hadn't really, you know, got online and like really reached out yet. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I was really kind of in my power, but there was something I wasn't paying attention to. And she did see something in my in my physiology, which was, I didn't accept the fact that I did have support because my, my parents were not there for me once I left my, their house, you know, once I graduated high school. And there's no judgment on them, but that just wasn't a part of my reality. And so I really did feel like everything was on my shoulders. And within a couple of days of that experience, I did get some other treatments somewhere else, which I attributed to mentally that. Mm-hmm. But what it really was, was me accepting that you were there for me. You were my support. I did have people that ha- literally had my back, you and my wife, and I never accepted it before. I took it for granted. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, within that couple of day period, I accepted it. And I never had another issue since. Wow. And it was because of you showing up the way that you have anything, if I've ever needed it, you've gone above and beyond to make sure that I have it. And you've loved me like your son. And I can always expect, like, I can go to you. I know that you're there. I know that you, where your house is and I can go there and I'm going to be able to eat mm-hmm. and I'm going to be able to, to hear laughter and I'm going to be accepted. And I just thank you so much for that. Really, You're most welcome. 
I came to find my son who was here. <laughs> <laughs> thank goodness so you thank didn't you go to Florida. Me. Yeah, I know I didn't go to Florida. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking your time and hanging out with okay, us. Okay, you're most welcome. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope that you got a lot of value out of this. And um, thank you so much for allowing me to share my story and to share my my mom's story, my mother-in-law's story with you. And it's such an inspiration because she said it, silent warrior, you know, there's so many people and us included, we never know whose lives we're gonna impact by us stepping into our power and to really share our experience, share our story, share our insights. We don't have to be the vocal person out front telling the world, you can impact one life and change the lives of millions. And so again, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. And uh, if you felt inspired by this and, and want to share the inspiration, of course, you could share this out on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. And of course, you could tag me and let me know what you thought of the episode. And we've got some incredible, like, I can't even begin to tell you, powerful episodes coming your way. And again, thank you so much for taking your time and and allowing me to go with you where, wherever you are right now. I promise to keep giving you more game-changing powerhouse information because this is your opportunity to really take things to another level, all right? So if you've got this story about how hard things have been, the different things that you've been through that have been holding you back, please take my, my mom's example from today that anything is possible. And it starts with that intention. It starts with exposure, changing your environment, changing your examples and really adhering to that. She gracefully mentioned something that might have tripped you out a little bit. I know it tripped me out. She said, when she was talking about fasting, she said, it's just only a seven day fast. Only seven days? Really? Because she's done literally month long fast and all of these remarkable things that she's put into place herself. And she's not telling anybody else that that's what their path is, that they need to do it, but she's willing to experiment and to you know get out of the comfort. And she's found this amazing level of comfort in all of these seemingly uncomfortable things. And uh, it's just really a huge inspiration for me. And so again, whatever story you feel has been holding you back, this is the time to start to really take power, take that pen in your hand and start writing your story consciously, intentionally, and proactively, all right? I appreciate you so much for hanging out with us today. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk to you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.